Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. All right. So can anybody guess where we're at this morning? Church. Well, that's that's good. That's a good guess. I think you would be correct in that assumption. First Timothy chapter three. And guess what? We're out of verses one through seven. We're starting a whole new ball game here. We're not really. We're in we're in First Timothy chapter three and verse eight this morning. Uh we're looking at the qualifications of a deacon, which uh, I don't know if you guys have read ahead. They're not too different from the qualifications of a pastor. Um, and so uh, I think that it's, uh, I don't think that that's a mistake. I don't believe there are any mistakes in the word of God, do you? Um, if you do, then you might, you and I might disagree on quite a few things. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll start, we'll read the passage, and then we'll get into it. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 3, I almost read verse 1. Uh, verse number 8, we're going to read through verse 13. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, which is basically the same thing as we were talking about as greedy of filthy lucre. They, they, they don't, uh, and they, I believe the King James says that again, uh, greedy of filthy lucre. That means they're not greedy of money. They don't want money. Uh, they're not in it for the money. Uh, deacons must be the same way. Holding to the ministry of the faith with a clear conscience. I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are above reproach. Women must likewise, in other words, their, their wives, must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for your word and how it teaches us, how it chastises us, Lord. I pray that you would help us glean some word from you today, and I pray that you'd get me out of the way by whatever means you see necessary. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would speak to these people. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So often I, I seek the will of God in my, in my messages. Um, and his will transcends my own. And, uh, and I pray that it does in your life as well. There, there have been times where there are topics that I want to discuss, and God says, no, you're going to talk about something else. Every now and again, he'll do that with a message, uh, and that, that did not happen this particular time, but I, I pray that God would hide me behind the cross 
so that he would get his message across more than mine. And I pray that you guys would do the same. Uh, pray for the, pray that over your life. God, please enable me to do what you called me to do. Help me not to seek selfish gain. So what is a deacon? A deacon, uh, this word comes from the Greek word diakonos, and I probably did not pronounce that correctly. I didn't do my old trick, the, the one where I pull it up and I, and I have my little uh, Google sort of thing. It's a, it's, yeah. Blue letter Bible, I usually have that there, and I, I push the little speaker to hear the word pronounced for me by a scholar who is far more educated than me. However, I did not do that this time. But diakonos is described in this way in the Strong's Concordance. One who executes commands of another, uh, particularly a king or a ruler, servant of the king. One who cares for the poor and is charged with distributing money. A waiter, one who serves. So what you might derive from that, these are, these are basically from, from all sources here. A deacon is a servant of the Lord who ministers to the people. Um, the election of deacons was originally, uh, we see this outlined in Acts, when uh, the, the apostles are so busy and occupied with the church and the ministering of the word, the dedicating of themselves to scripture and the spreading of the gospel, they were neglecting some people among the congregation. Does anybody know who those people were? We talked about this before. The widows and the poor. So what was happening is the apostles, they, they weren't ministering to these, these widows and the poor. And they said, this is the quotation from them. They said, we do not, we, are, we, we need to dedicate our time to, I'm not directly quoting this, sorry. We need to dedicate our time to the reading of God's word and the sharing of the sharing of God's truth. So we cannot be over-occupied with the waiting of tables. So they elected deacons. They elected among them some suitable, strong, able men who were able to aid these apostles in doing the work of God. And uh, what we derive from this is deacons are, and in our modern terminology here, Deacons are those who are assisting the pastor to do the work of God. So we just learned about the qualifications of a pastor and that he's supposed to be doing all these things. And uh, I'm not going to bore you guys with walking through that list again for the thousandth time. But we've learned quite a bit about uh, qualifications of pastors. And now the deacons, those who are aiding the pastor in the work, Likewise, have a list of qualifications. And not unlike the first list, these apply to every Christian. 
every Christian's life. So firstly, what we have is this word that is translated as dignity or, or to be grave, as the King James says. It's the word seminos. It's to be honest, to be sincere. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know any insincere people. But you can usually spot them a mile away. Oh, that guy seems fairly unsincere. It's like you're walking into a car lot and that guy is just all smiles. And that this is the best deal for you, right? This is, this is an insincere person. How many of you guys, and now this is getting into the, into the, uh, the, the, the wounds here. How many of you guys know an insincere pastor or a preacher? How many of you guys have seen a preacher or, or someone who claims to be a believer, but they don't live it out in their everyday life? They're insincere. They're not practicing what they preached, what we talked about this morning. How many of you guys have met someone like that? Immediately what comes to mind is a, there's a lot of TV preachers like that, right? Asking you for money. And they're more concerned about what you can give them than what God has given them to give to you. An insincere person, according to Paul, does not belong in the service of the Lord. That doesn't mean he can't be a Christian. He'd be a pretty lousy one, to be honest with you. But my friends, I will tell you this, there are lousy Christians out there that are Christians. God is calling us to something better than that. So I'm going to ask you a very uh, probing question. Do you have a sincere faith? Now I'm not just talking about believing in God. Believing that he exists. Jesus said it this way, even the demons believe and tremble. Just It's not enough just to, to know that God exists and that he is the Lord. Here's the distinguisher. Is he your Lord? Is he your master? Does he direct the paths of your life? Do you really believe that God sent his one and only begotten son to the world to live as a man tormented by the very same things that we are tormented by that went through pain and struggle and work and sweat and tears and bloodshed 
Do you believe it? Do you believe that God loves you? Right now? Or do you believe that you have to change something to earn his love? Every time I talk about honesty and sincerity, I go back to that time in the college dorm room. I've shared this a million times with you guys. Where my friend Jacob asked me a very simple question. Do you believe? Do you believe in God? And I, I remember thinking, well, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard in my life. Of course. We watched this movie called Do You Believe? And it was a similar situation that this pastor was put in. Do you believe? And he said, well, I'm a minister. And the guy said, with no offense, but that's not what I asked you. Do you believe? Whether you're a minister, a preacher, a pastor, or whatever you are, do you believe? And what that probing question is, is do you really believe that this is true? And when somebody nails it down and they look at the actions that you put into practice and what you do every day, would they say without asking you that you believe? Are you living a life that says, I believe what God says? Are you living a life that says, I believe that the lost person who dies today will go to hell for an eternity. Not just a temporary punishment or refining fire and then they get to go to heaven eventually. They go to hell for eternity. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? My friends, if we really believe that, I don't think we would be sitting around quite as much as we do. Wasting our time investing in things that have no eternal value. My friends, are you sincere in your faith? Does your lost friends and loved ones weigh heavily on your heart? Or is it just a passing thought? To be a deacon, to be a minister of the word of God, of the people of God, Paul says you must be sincere. You must be honest. And part of being honest is saying, look, I have some flaws that I need to work on. A, a lot of times we come across people who think that they're better than you. 
Are they are they use their position to to elevate them? I mean, part of part of the evolution of the church is is this. Originally, the the pulpit was elevated above the congregation so that they could hear. You know, that's why they had it elevated. It wasn't because of, of the man standing above everybody as if he is better than them, but that's kind of what it's turned into, isn't it? The pulpit is above all the people, so it's it's a and it's a, you're uh, bestowing this uh, listening to this guy who has some vastly different spiritual knowledge than you, or that you have to look up to me. I stand on a pedestal so that you can look up to me. That's not what a pastor's role is. Of course, I am to live as an example. And of course, the deacons, those who are ministering the word of God, are to be an example of those around them. But here's the thing, guys. We talked about this last Wednesday. I'm still a sheep. And in some manner of speaking, I am a shepherd of the flock that God has given me charge over. But I am still a sheep who has been given a message has been given a responsibility over a group of people. And I do not take that lightly. I'm a shepherd under the shepherd. And a good sheep, a good sheep shepherd listens to the shepherd. And part of me being honest and sincere with you guys is uh, uh, confessing that, guys, I don't have it all figured out. And if I had claimed, and I, if I do claim to have it all figured out, I don't think many of you would want to follow me because you would know that I wasn't being honest. Because that little boy back there helps me realize every day how imperfect I am. Because he repeats everything I say and he does things that I do. And when he does something and I'm like, ooh, I taught you that, didn't I? Do you have a sincere faith? The second, and this is one that the church struggles with greatly. It's being double-tongued. In other words, being two-faced. Saying one thing and doing another. Or saying one thing to one person and then saying something else to another person. This Greek word is dialogo, logos. Which 
which would be literally translated as double speaking. You change what you believe depending on who you're around. We know that uh, from scripture that Peter struggled with this. Paul got angry at him at one point and he said he withstood him to his face and said, and was talking about how when uh, the Gentiles, or it's just the Gentiles around, you'll be eating with them gladly. But when your Jewish friends come around, you're, you're, you're separating yourself from our Gentile brothers and sisters and you're only eating with them and you're, you're, you're living a divided life. You're being two-tongued. If you're, you're around this particular group of people, you're talking bad about this person. Or when you go around this person, you're talking bad about this group of people. That's being two-faced. That's being two-tongued. That's being a backstabber and a hypocrite. My friends, the church has gotten a bad reputation of doing this very thing. And it's a, and it's a shame when we have church leaders who are doing this. It's called slander. And it's, if we, if we look to the scripture, it disqualifies them from being a leader. We should strive as leaders in our community, as leaders in, in our friend groups, as leaders, <clears throat> firstly, to be sincere in what we believe, and secondly, to be sincere and truthful about what we believe, no matter who we're around. If you've got a problem with someone, and man, we're bad about this, aren't we? If you've got a problem with someone, talk to them. Talk to them and try and work it out amongst yourself. If that doesn't work, bring a friend. And don't do this publicly to embarrass them, but in love, say, look, I've noticed this in your life and, and I don't think that lines up with scripture. I don't think you should be doing this. If you disagree with that, um, then I'm gonna bring a friend who agrees. A mutual friend. And in love, try and seek to restore this person in the Lord. Have you ever seen this done in the church? No. I haven't in my lifetime, in my short 25 years of existence, 26 years now of existence. No, immediately when somebody has something wrong about them, they embarrass them. They call them out in front of everybody and, and make, a, make a big scene. Or, they t or if, if they don't tell, call them out in front of everybody, they're telling everybody but that person that they have a problem with it. That's being double-tongued. And it's wrong. 
My friends, as the church, we need to strive to be different. Don't be imitators of the world. Be imitators of God. And hold yourself to His standard. Part of being two-faced stems from this idea of being a people pleaser. I know... Uh, I, I'm not alone in struggling with make, wanting to make everybody happy. I don't think that, I think everybody to an extent struggles with this. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved by everybody. Nobody likes having backlash. Nobody likes when, when somebody that we care about says that they don't like you or that they get angry at you for something that you said. Nobody likes that. But part of being a leader is being willing to accept that. Jesus said it this way. They hated me. Why would you expect any different? They will hate you as well. I don't know about you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know about you. I've had very few people hate me because of what I believed. My friends, I pray that we would all be this way, that we would seek God's face in sincerity and seek to be honest with people that we're around. And when we have a problem, confront the person we have a problem with to protect their reputation, to love them in a godly way. May we do that. The next two we've already gone over, so I'm just going to summarize. Don't be a drunkard. Don't be drunk with wine. We've already talked about this in the qualifications for a pastor. Be sober. Be vigilant. You can't be alert. You can't, uh, you don't know what's going on around you when you're drunk. You know very little. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit, my friends. Let God fill you and take your mind over. Don't be greedy. Don't be money hungry. My friends, in closing, I encourage you once again. Be sincere in your faith. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that God sent his son to die for everyone? Do you believe that he loves you? I pray that as we have a time of invitation, I invite you 
to talk to the Lord. Maybe you're not the one that needs saved. Maybe you have a problem with somebody. Maybe you've struggled with being double-tongued. Maybe you've struggled with with being sincere in your faith. I don't know, but God does. So I ask that you talk to him. Talk to him. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be standing up here waiting. I would love nothing more than to pray with you. I'll pray with you about a friend. I'll pray with you about yourself. I'll pray. I, you don't even have to tell me what's wrong. I'll just pray for you. I would love to do that as we have a song. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com.